very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. I'm super excited to have Gary, Mr. Gary Takas, who is the founder of the Thriving Practice Academy. Gary, welcome. Naren, thanks so much for having me on your show. It's, it's fun to be on the other end of the microphone. Usually I'm the one doing the interviews and now I get to be on the other side. This is really fun. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so honored that you accepted our invitation to be on the show because I know you started, you know, this whole podcasting in dentistry, right? You were the first one to get started with that. I was tagged with a nickname, Naren. May I, may I share my nickname with you? Absolutely. The pod father. <laughs> <laughs> the I, was, I was the first dental podcaster. Uh, Naren, um, I don't mind admitting this. I'm a nerd. And I think you are too. Yes. But I meant that as a compliment. <laughs> Will you take that as a compliment? Absolutely. I think times have changed. We are nerds and now running the world, I guess. <laughs> exactly. When I was a kid, I was, a, I've always been a nerd. I don't mind admitting it. But when I was a kid, it wasn't so popular. But um, anyway, uh, I'm a nerd. I love technology. I, I, I'm a geek, uh, really love technology. And I've been listening to podcasts since uh, 2010. In late 2011, and back then you had to be a real nerd because there, there wasn't podcast apps on iPhones and Android devices. You had to download it on your, on your desktop computer. You had to have bridging software that linked it to your MP3 player. <laughs> and that shows you how long I've been into podcasts. And in late uh, 2011, I looked around to see if there was anything in dentistry. I typed every different way you could type in dental podcast, and there was nothing. So I decided to create my own. I learned how to podcast, and uh, I uh, built a radio station in my office. My, my wife tells me that I do this because I can buy all the latest gadgets um, in technology, uh, the latest audio recording gadgets. And you know what? She's right. <laughs> and so I started The Thriving Dentist Show in January of 2012. It was the very first dental podcast. So I've been nicknamed the pod father, and I'll take that nickname. Absolutely. It's a great honor, right? Because when you're the first, nobody can take that away from you. I, I, I consider it an honor. Thank you. <laughs> so Gary, um, let's kind of, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know you, so I don't think you need a lot of introduction, but I still want to hear from you, your story. Like, you know, just tell us your story. Like, take yeah. us to the beginning and, and tell us where you came from and, and kind of where you are today. Well, thank you. Uh, I started in this amazing profession in 1980. Um, so I've been in this profession for uh, 37 years, soon to be 38 years. Imagine that. Um, in the 1980s, I worked for two large uh, dental consulting firms. I essentially learned my craft as a coach in the 1980s. In, uh, by 1989, I had worked with about 500 dentists in North America, and I decided that I had learned enough to where it was time to start my own firm. And uh, I started uh, what came to be known as the Thriving Practice Academy in uh, 1989. And so for the last uh, 38 years, or 28 years, excuse me, I have had the privilege of working with dentists uh, all over North America, helping them develop their ideal practice. In addition to the coaching work that I do, I also do quite a bit of speaking. Uh, Nair and I get invited to about, uh, I get about 125 speaking invitations a year. I accept about 50 of those. 
And pretty much every Friday, I get a chance to speak to dental audiences, doctors and team members, um, somewhere around the world, uh, mostly in the U.S. and Canada, but also I, I've done a fair amount of international speaking as well. I do my podcast, The Thriving Dentist Show. It's a weekly show. Uh, I would invite your listeners, if, if they like uh, your show, The Growing Dentist, I think they also might like The Thriving Dentist Show. I'd invite them to listen to that. It's on iTunes and, and Google Play. Uh, the last uh, part of my resume that may be important uh, for your listeners is that although I am not a dentist, I do own a dental practice. Uh, Naren, here in, the, uh, in my state, in Arizona, you do not have to be a dentist to own a practice. So I bought a fixer-upper dental practice in May of 07 in partnership with Dr. Paul Nielsen. Paul is a 2005 graduate of the University of Washington School of Dentistry. And we bought a dilapidated backwards fixer-upper practice in May of 07. And we've been developing that into our ideal practice ever since. Uh, uh, that practice is called Life Smiles, Life Smiles. And today it's a two-doctor practice, Dr. Paul Nielsen, Dr. Tim Schmidt. Uh, we have 15 amazing team members, and uh, I get to have a learning and teaching laboratory. I wanted to own a practice because I wanted to have a test kitchen, a learning and teaching laboratory where we could test concepts out, and then I could share them with our clients. I could share them with listeners at uh, courses that I was giving and also on the podcast. And Darren, I have to tell you, I thought it would be useful to own a practice, but it has so exceeded my expectations that I literally wouldn't want to do what I do as a coach without owning that dental practice because uh, I'm there every week. And if I'm lecturing on a Friday, if I'm speaking on a Friday, I often have new slides in my course from things I've learned that week in my own practice. That's amazing. And I think that's very true, right? When you, when you can experiment and try things, you know, and you don't have to ask permission, you, you would try things you wouldn't otherwise try because, you know, it's your own, own kitchen, so to speak. And I don't mind uh, sharing our mistakes. Um, We've, we've certainly stubbed our toe and made some mistakes. And uh, I don't mind sharing those because perhaps I can save someone else the pain and aggravation of those mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that probably was a very smart move. And I think that's a great idea. Just, uh, you know, if you're going to help others, you need to help yourself first. Well, and, and uh, it's amazing to me. Um, I thought I knew a little bit about, just for example, um, when I bought the practice in May of 07, you know, I had been, been doing this now uh, 27 years at that point. I thought I knew a little bit about cancellations and no-shows. And now I have a PhD in cancellation and no-shows. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew a little bit about managing a team. And uh, certainly I, I've learned a lot more about that since. So uh, it really is a very fertile test kitchen and uh, a laboratory where we get to test things. And, uh, and Mary, let me invite you, if, you're ever, uh, if you ever get tired of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the snow, snow cold winter, <laughs> you have an open invitation to come visit me in Scottsdale, and I'd love to host a visit and have you uh, show you around Life Smile. So you're invited. That'll be awesome. Yeah. I think um, that's a, I think also probably taught you humility, right? Because when you're advising somebody, but now you're advising yourself, you know what it really means to share that piece of advice. Well, and it's um, humbling sometimes. Um, uh, I thought, you know, I, I, I don't mind sharing this, that uh, I had taught some concepts, you know, prior to owning a practice that academically worked pretty good on paper. Right. Then you put it in real life and it didn't work as well. 
and it right. caused me to say, wait a minute, we, I need to change this because this isn't working in real life. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, on paper, something sounds good, but sometimes in real life, it doesn't work. Imagine that. Uh, and that's certainly something I've learned. And uh, I love the, the, the learning opportunity I get every day in my own practice. We're a general practice. Uh, I have two amazing doctors today, Dr. Paul Nielsen, Dr. Tim Schmidt. By the way, both of them work three days a week by choice, by choice. Right. Uh, Paul works Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tim works Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. One of the reasons why I wanted to encourage that is they're, ironically, all three of us have four kids. Now, my kids are adults. Their kids are younger. Uh, but I wanted them to have more family time. I wanted them to have a better work-life balance uh, than I've had in the past. And uh, so I encourage them to work three days a week. They're very, very productive in three days a week. Uh, we have a, a 15 days of hygiene a week. So I've got three hygienists that work four days a week and one that works three. So collectively, uh, we're open Monday through Friday. Collectively, we have 15 days of hygiene. And uh, it's really a, a wonderful practice. It's a general practice where we also do some dental implants. We do some adult orthodontics. Uh, we do some beautiful cosmetic dentistry. We do some complex restorative dentistry. Uh, however, pretty much our a typical patient is probably a lot like your listeners that, uh, hey, I have a toothache and I have this insurance. Can you help me? Uh, so that, that kind of shares a little bit about our practice. Right, right. Now, I want to ask you something. The name, Thriving, you know, and that's the name of your you know, podcast as well, right? Why did you pick yes. the word thriving? You know, is there a reason why you love that yes. word? Thank you for asking the question. It was a lot of thought. Uh, when I created the name for the podcast, uh, I, it, it took me a long time to really think about some different names. And I decided to call it The Thriving Dentist Show because, pardon my enthusiasm, but I love our profession. Uh, I absolutely love dentistry, love every part of it. And the reason I love it so much is we have the opportunity to change people's lives every day. You know, it could be something dentally, Aaron. It could be a patient that shows up with a compromised dentition. By the way, I think the way the kids refer to that these days is they have a jacked up grill. <laughs> do you ever, do they use that kind of terminology in Canada? Uh, I haven't heard it, but jacked up grill. A jacked up grill. Uh, that's a teenage language for having crooked teeth. <laughs> oh, okay. A jacked up grill. So, uh, the, the patient can show up with some very compromised dentition and we can provide some beautiful aesthetic dentistry that uh, can allow them to uh, perhaps uh, really uh, overcome their inhibitions. And maybe that person that has a compromised smile is shy and reserved and lacking confidence. And we provide this smile and, and they instantly start showing more confidence. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything as significant as that, Aaron. It could be a patient that just needs someone to listen to them. Uh, and through the care and compassion of the doctor and the team, uh, you can become that listening, uh, those set of ears that can listen to the patient that desperately needed someone to listen to them. Could be a patient that's fearful. And as a result of your compassion, uh, you help the patient overcome their fear so they can get on the path to good oral health. But I happen to believe that dentistry is an amazing profession. And I believe there's a difference between just getting by and thriving. I want I want our listeners to the podcast. I want your listeners uh, to The Growing Dentist to be thriving, to absolutely thrive in every aspect, to achieve personal, professional, and financial satisfaction. So that's kind of how I, how I define thriving. It's, it's, uh, it's so that the dentist and the team members can achieve personal, professional, 
and financial satisfaction. And so we called the, the coaching firm that I own the Thriving Practice Academy because that's what we do. We help dentists thrive. Right, right. I have listened to your show as well. And um, you share a lot of ideas, a lot of insights, uh, you know, and a lot of them are like, you know, you know, you don't need to sit and spend a lot of time, you know, figuring it out or thinking it out, think, thinking about it. So I guess you look for simple ideas, not complicated ideas. Einstein, um, you know, Albert Einstein, who I, I think we could agree was pretty smart. What do you think, Darren? Was he pretty yes. smart? Yes. Uh, Einstein uh, has a quote and it goes like this. Uh, There's beauty in simplicity. And uh, I believe in that. And I believe that some, like, for example, may I share our practice philosophy with you, Naren? Absolutely. Absolutely, Gary. And this is an example of simplicity. Our practice, our vision is to take care of patients the way we would like to be taken care of ourselves. Now, that's not very complicated, is it? I mean, that's, that's, that's simple. Right. But it's profound because it impacts everything we do. It impacts the materials we use, the technology that we adopt in the practice, the type of team member I want working for me, the customer service that we deliver. It impacts everything we do. In other words, I want to, Aaron, if you are a patient, I want to take care of you the way I would like to be taken care of if I was you. So right. that's clinically and behaviorally as well. So there's an example of taking, you know, a, a mission statement or a, a vision and simplifying it, you know, in the way that I think Albert Einstein was speaking about when he said there's beauty and simplicity. Right. And um, speaking of Albert Einstein, you're reminding me of uh, Steve Jobs, right? His vision was so the technology should vanish. So almost like you don't even realize you're using a product. It just works. And yet, uh, think about, think how, how um, multifaceted uh, that vision was. Right. Uh, I mean, it's simple, uh, but it, it's profound because of the way it impacts everything Apple did under Steve Jobs and does today. Right. And pardon me, I'm, I'm, I'm an Apple fanatic, so um, pardon my passion for Apple too. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I loved Apple. And uh, once you start using Apple, it's hard to go back. Oh, I, I, um, I even love their packaging. Right. Uh, you know, the, the boxes that, you know, the iPhone 10 comes in. I keep those boxes because they're just so cool, you know. Right. <laughs> I, guess I'm, I guess I'm demonstrating my nerdiness, but uh, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, going back to simplicity, right? Like before Apple, you had to, you know, have a scissors to cut off cut up on your, you know, electronics packaging. Now you just have a small sticker. You peel it open. That's you know it. what I mean? That's it. And, and literally um, from the packaging, you have a sense of quality. Right. And you have a sense of elegance. Uh, that's how I think of Apple products as elegant. Um, and it's wonderful imagery. And it's guided by Steve Jobs' vision. Right. And it's just, you know, simple idea. Technology should be, you know, not the thing, it should be, it should vanish. It shouldn't be in front of, you know, it shouldn't overwhelm you. I remember in the old days, you had to have manuals and books and, you know, you need to have an assistant or technical person to show you how to use a product, you know. And, now uh, you open the box. It just works, you know. It just works. <laughs> a two-year-old can use it or an 80-year-old can use it. It's just. I, I often get training from my five-year-old grandson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. As long as you have fingers, you'll figure it out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's humbling when you get training from your five-year-old grandson, but uh, uh, it works. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So I, I love the, the, the mission statement you have for your practice. I mean, you know, treat, you want a practice that treats your clients, your patients, the way you want to be treated. That's it. That's it. And, and like I said, it, that's it. And yet we work on it every day because uh, I, and I believe we'll be working on it. We're, it's never going to be done. We never check that off the list. You know, we always want to see what we can do to improve on that. Uh, but it is a simple vision, uh, but it's one that has worked very well for us. Let's, you know, start giving some meat right now. So I want to talk about, you know, you have been doing this for 37 years, right? Thinking about how to build a thriving practice. So give me like a 10,000 foot level. I know one of the things we talked about is simplicity, but I, I'm sure it's more than that, right? How to build a thriving practice. So tell me from a 10,000 foot level, what are some of the key things you think about when you try to, you know, build a thriving practice? Can I give you six tangible goals for a thriving practice? Absolutely. I'm going to number these, Naren, so that I remember. Uh, they're not numbered in importance. I believe they're equally important. But I'm going to number them so I remember to cover all six. So can I go ahead and uh, share those six goals for a thriving practice? Absolutely. Number one, overhead no higher than 60%, ideally 50%. And by the way, I define overhead as everything necessary to run the practice with the exception of owner dentist compensation. So overhead no higher than 60%, ideally 50%. Number two, the ability to create financial independence for yourself through the practice. So the ability to go to work because you want to financially, not because you have to, number two. Number three, all of the technology that makes dentistry fun for you, uh, whether that be uh, CAD CAM dentistry, lasers, uh, digital radiography, uh, cone beam, uh, CBCT technology, whatever technology it is that makes dentistry fun, a state-of-the-art facility, uh, a well-compensated team, a, a, a generous CE budget so you can take continued education, and still control your overhead at 60% or less, ideally 50%. Number four, a high-performance team that you truly love and enjoy working with. And by the way, I crafted that statement here and I said love. Uh, so rather than like or tolerate or you should have seen the last one, she's better than her. Uh, so number four, a high performance team you truly love and enjoy working with. Number five, patients you enjoy taking care of. And number six, a treatment mix that gives you satisfaction. And I believe that has to be self-defined, Aaron, because... Uh, Clinically, what one dentist likes, another dentist may not like. For example, Naren, you may enjoy doing endodontic therapy, uh, providing endo, and another dentist doesn't like that. You may enjoy doing adult orthodontics, another dentist doesn't like that. So it has to be self-defined. So those are the six goals for a thriving practice. Uh, and again, I'll rattle them off really quick. Uh, overhead, no higher than 60%, ideally 50. Uh, ability to achieve financial independence through your practice. Number three, uh, state-of-the-art facility and all the uh, technology that makes dentistry fun and still control your overhead at 60% or less, ideally 50. Number four, a high performance team you truly love and enjoy working with. Number five, patients you enjoy taking care of. And number six, 
treatment mix that gives you satisfaction. I believe if you have all six of those, you have a thriving practice. That's awesome. Let me just um, kind of regurgitate this in my mind. So you had overhead is really important, right? Even with all the technology and the kind of practice you want, you want to maintain it at 60%, ideally 50%. So number and by one, the way, when we bought the practice in May of, when Dr. Nielsen and I bought the practice in May of 07, this practice had 80% overhead. Now you might be saying, well, why in the world did you buy that? Well, because we saw a lot of potential in this practice and we knew that uh, we could, it had about a thousand active patients. We knew we could grow it. Uh, and I knew it represented potential. It wasn't being achieved by the previous dentist, but we felt like we could achieve that. And in fact, I can, I can speak to those goals confidently, Aaron, because over a time period, it didn't happen overnight, but over a period of time, we have successfully achieved each and every one of those goals, all six of those goals we've been able to achieve. And I like to say, if we've been able to do it, you can do it too. Right, right. But we did start with 80% overhead. So if any of your listeners are struggling with overhead, I've been there and it's not fun and it's a challenge. And uh, uh, I, we were able to successfully navigate it, but uh, I've been in that spot. If your overhead is, is uh, in that range that it was like when we bought our practice, I certainly understand and I have a lot of empathy and compassion for you because dentistry is not fun if you've got 80% overhead. Right. Let me go to the second point you mentioned, right? It should allow you to have financial independence, right? Can you elaborate on that? Like, of course, on day one, they're not going to have it. So how do you think about? Yeah, excellent question. Financial independence for me is the day that you can go to work because you want to, not because you have to. But can I, qual can I quantify that more specifically? Absolutely. It's the day that you have your income replaced coming from somewhere else. So for example, may I, may I just pick random numbers to use for an example? Yes. So let's say that you were making $200,000 a year from your practice. And I'm, I just made up a number. Uh, the day that you have $200,000 a year coming from somewhere else, you truly are independent because you don't have to go to work. So that could be in the form of a pension plan, a 401k plan, a private investment portfolio. But the day in which you could replace your income without having to go to work is when you truly have independence. Because you can look at this and say, well, I don't have to go today because I could get my income from here. Right. And that's how we define financial independence. And frankly, the tools that we can use for that are uh, 401k pension plans, at least here in the U.S. Uh, you have different tools in Canada. Uh, but we can use a pension type environment and a savings environment for us to be able to achieve that financial independence. Right. So you're saying when you're working in the practice, you need to work towards it. So a lot of the profits you make should be invested. So you create that financial independence where you don't have to go. So that we don't have to work. Uh, and, um, you know, I've worked with, with dentists in our client base um, that have been able to achieve that. I, well, let me back up and tell you, Naren, I believe that every dentist can achieve financial independence in a relatively short period of time. And, what I mean by that is, depending on our rate of return and, and savings rate and so on, for 12 to 15 years, 12 to 15 years. So if a dentist is 30 years old, uh, the goal would be to achieve financial independence um, 42, between age 42 and 45. Um, 
And so any dentist can achieve that over a relatively short period, even if you're starting at zero or, and even maybe less than zero because of student loans and that sort of thing, we should be able to achieve that in a relatively short period of time. Let me ask you this. Why did you pick this as one of the attributes of a thriving practice? Because a lot of people will say, well, it's kind of external, you know, the practice is all about just the practice, right? And the reason why is because uh, it it relates to work-life balance. I believe many dentists are out of balance when it comes to work-life balance. And if you're independent, if you're financially independent, imagine how your work life could change. Let's say you're a a five-day-a-week dentist, but you've got a young family. Uh, You want to spend more family time. You want to take more continued education. If you had the financial independence, you could work three days a week. Let's say you're taking you know, four weeks off a year today or three weeks off a year and you want to take more time off. If you're financially independent, you could take more time off and not impact your practice, not impact your finances. So I think it's critically important because it gives doctors the freedom to practice the way they want to practice, not the way they have to practice. So I think it's critically important in the goals to be able to practice the way you want to, not because some, someone else or some other entity is forcing you to practice a different way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the key word here is freedom. In other words, freedom, yes. you have freedom, you get, tend to do the things you want to do. You may start making choices that you enjoy making as opposed to choices you, you feel like you must make. Right. Hypothetically, let, let's say, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to make something up. Let's say that you're not, you're a dentist who doesn't enjoy oral surgery. You just don't like doing extractions. It's just not your thing. Right. Uh, if you, if you're not, if you don't feel freedom, when a patient shows up and they need an extraction, you may feel like you're obligated to do that because you have a, you have the time on your schedule and, and you know, you're obligated to do it. Uh, however, if you have financial freedom, you could choose not to. You could have a great oral surgeon that you refer to, and you could send the patient to the oral surgeon. You, you don't think twice about, well, I, I had time on my schedule. I lost some income. And you know, what I want to tell you about financial freedom, and it's been my joy of working with many clients that have achieved that, you don't have to wait till you get to the finish line to have the sensation of freedom. All you need to do is you know you're on track to do that. Uh, so I, I can I, can I give you a personal example of that? Yes. I'm a runner. I like to run. And uh, I, I do a lot of long distance running, marathons, half marathons, that sort of thing. And the race, the marathon, or the half marathon isn't one on the day of the race. It's one in my training. Right. So in other words, um, I recently... Um, had a, a PR, a personal record in a half marathon. I ran one, an hour and 51 minutes. It's about an 8.30 mile. When I could run an 8.30 mile consistently in my training time, I was ready for that race. And so financial independence can be that way. In other words, you don't have to reach the finish line to gain the sensation of the freedom that you're going to have by simply staying on track. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Makes a ton of sense. And I think um, what you're also saying is, uh, I mean, if I were to come up with another name for your business, I would call it the proactive dental practice. You are kind of teaching people to take control of their lives, 
take control of their business. Instead of like letting things happen and just be a passenger, you are making them the driver. I love your reference and the term proactive. I believe practices are either proactive or reactive. And given the choice, I'd much rather be proactive. I'd rather be captaining the ship instead of bouncing around with whatever happens to the boat. <laughs> right? Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great, uh, uh, excellent uh, observation. Much better to be proactive and, and directing your future rather than being reactive. Right. So even the in- intention that you want to be financially independent, and that's part of your purpose for your practice, makes you start making totally different decisions in terms of your overhead, in terms of the way you look at things, you know, in terms of, you know, oh, I'm helpless and it's the economy and it's this and it's that to no, 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 no. I'm in control. I can make choices that's going to make my future better for me and my team and my patients. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I want you to be intentional. Maybe that's another way to say proactive is to be intentional about what you do instead of being reactive. Right. Now I understand why you made that financial independence one of your six pillars or principles of a thriving practice. Thanks for that. Thanks for that clarif- the opportunity to clarify that. Because in, in some ways it may seem like it's external, like you said. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, then you talked about technology and, and, and all the other investments. So you don't really, even though you, you talk about 50% ideal overhead, you, you, don't, you don't believe in, you know, scrimping for the sake of, you know, like in other words, being cheap. No, no. In fact, um, may may I share a a thought with you for just a minute? Absolutely. I have yet to meet the dentist in 37 years that achieved financial independence by saving $2 on a box of gloves. Right. Now that's not to say that we shouldn't be good stewards of our resources. We should have one eye on expenses and we should be careful with our expenses. But I believe that the mistakes, and this is very common today, especially among young dentists. Many young dentists are really treating their suppliers and their vendors like commodities. And I believe that's wrong headed. I believe that's, that's not the right approach. Now, again, I, I, I want to be mindful of my expenses and I want to be a good steward of those resources. But saving $2 on a box of gloves is not going to get you to financial independence. Rather, the big problem for most practices, they're not producing enough in order to maintain their profitability. Can I walk you through an exercise very quick to demonstrate that? Yes, yes, Gary, absolutely. So if I can grow your practice with two disclaimers. And and by the way, I think I'm speaking to the right audience based on the title of your podcast, The Growing Dentist, right? Yes. Right? Yes. (laughs) So doctors, if we can grow your practice with two disclaimers, and the two disclaimers are same hours, we're not going to add more hours, and same team. Same team. We're not going to add more team members. Now, there is a point where you may have to add team members, but let's, for the sake of this argument, let me just assume that we can grow your practice with the same team and the same hours. Now, would you accept those disclaimers? Yes, absolutely. So let's say we could grow 100000 a year, $100,000 a year in collections. And I'm using that number because it's a round number. Is it okay if I use that number? Yes. 
And this is a discussion about the fixed and variable expenses. Your fixed expenses are those that stay the same no matter what. An example of that would be your rent or your mortgage. And the variable expenses are those that go up as a function of the dentistry that you do because it's related to the volume of dentistry. And if you look at growing your practice, there's really only two variable expenses, if you accept my disclaimer of same team, same hours. Right. And that is um, lab, if you use an outside lab. Let's assume for a minute that at least some of the lab bill is an outside lab. Even if you have a, a, a CAD CAM, you're still going to spend some money on an outside lab, uh, despite what the manufacturers of the CAD CAM will tell you. Uh, and secondly, your consumable supplies. Uh, if you do more dentistry, you're going to use more consumable supplies. Let's break down the budget for those two. So my budget for a lab, this would assume you don't have a CAD CAM, you don't have a CEREC. Uh, my budget for a lab is 10% of your revenue. That's a high budget, but that allows you to use the best quality labs. And number two is your supplies, consumable supplies. The budget I use for consumable supplies is 6%. So I add those up together. and Theoretically, nothing else goes up other than lab and supplies. So 10% for labs, 6% for supplies. We're at a 16% overhead on those top dollars. But inevitably, Naren, it seems like other expenses creep up. I don't know what it is. Maybe we buy the pillowy soft toilet paper. Is that what we do? <laughs> I don't know what it is. But, but inevitably, some other expenses uh, creep up. W would, you, would you agree with that? Yes, unplanned expenses. Unplanned. So let's add another 4% to make for those unplanned. It kind of makes a round number. 10 plus 6 plus 4 takes me to 20%. Doctor, you are 80% profitable on those top dollars. In other words, your pre-tax income on the top $100 that you grow, $100,000, is $80,000. Right. Now, maybe that $80,000 isn't going to take you to 60% overhead yet, but do it twice. Now grow $200,000 in collections a year, and by, by the way, I believe every one of your listeners can grow $200,000, and I'm going to get into specifics as we go on, can grow $200,000 a year, same team and same hours. And, and by the way, if your listeners can't imagine doing that, please send me an email. <laughs> I would love to help show you how to do this. Send me an email, uh, and I will uh, be happy to help you with this. Before uh, I forget, what's your email? Gary just my first name, Gary, at Takas, my last name, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Gary at Takas, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Send me an email. We'd love to help you do this. So now uh, I grow, I have $160,000 in, in the top profitability on the top $200,000. So now recently I uh, had, a, 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 we have a client that uh, we're working with in, in my Thriving Practice Academy. And here was the, and I won't use the name, but I'll share the exact facts. Can I share them with you? Yes. $600,000 annual production collections with 70% overhead. So, Naren, you're probably pretty good at math. If this yeah. doctor had 600000 in income and 70% overhead, what was the pre-tax net to the doctor? $210,000. Uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. No, no, 180000 180000 Okay, I, I was about to challenge your math for a minute. $180,000. Yes. Okay. In the next year, we grew $200,000. So now it's $800,000. And what was the, and, and so it was one eighty plus one sixty. Yeah. 
$340,000. So, and by the way, it, it took the, it, 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 so again, we had 180 uh, plus 160. We had yeah. $340,000 uh, on 800 in revenue. It yeah. brought us, it, it, it brought us to uh, 60, excuse me. 58%. 58% overhead. Right. And we did that without, you know, trying to find uh, uh, some vendor to save two bucks a box on gloves. Right. So one fell swoop, we went from, you know, 70% overhead, which is too high, to 58% overhead by growth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, something you said two minutes ago makes a ton of sense for me. Like a lot of people have the mindset for me to succeed, I need to beat somebody up. What you're saying is just the opposite. For me to succeed, I need to take control. I need to make a bigger pie and bring people along. It's an abundance versus a scarcity mindset. Right. Now, again, I want to be, um, I, I want to I be practical about this. Right. We need to pay attention to our expenses. Right. But I look at my vendors as like, partners. Right. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, uh, we had an issue in my practice with the compressor. And the compressor was at, now we've got a backup compressor, but the backup is just that, it's a backup. And we called our supply rep, and literally within minutes, because it was kind of an urgency, we had a very, very productive day, and if the backup compressor goes down, we're now, we're out of luck. Uh, Aaron, can you imagine doing dentistry without a compressor? Right. Not so much, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's driving our vacuum, it's driving everything, you know, equipment-wise. And anyway, we had our, um, our supply rep, our equipment rep come out, and he literally had it fixed in 30 minutes. We were back up to speed in our prime uh, compressor. And, I mean, how much was that worth? A lot. And a lot. And, and, again, I'm not suggesting for a minute that we overpay for that. But I'll tell you what, the service that I, I received from him is worth every bit of uh, what we paid, you know, for that piece of equipment. Uh, and it wasn't the cheapest compressor. It was not the cheapest. It, it was, it was a fair price, right? but it wasn't the cheapest. Same thing with our labs. Um, dentists make a mistake. They'll, they'll send a lab perhaps offshore and they get lab work. They're, they're trying to pay the cheapest cost for the restoration. And then they've got to spend 30 minutes adjusting it. And they don't realize that, you know, how much valuable, how valuable their time is. And, you know, we use quality labs and those, those crowns literally just fit. We don't have to adjust them because we have a working relationship with our lab techs. They work. And the amount of time that that saves is well worth whatever savings it would be to get a lower cost on the unit. It's, it's the difference between an abundance and a scarcity mindset. And it, as you're listening to this, take steps to embrace an abundance mindset. And doctor, you know, I, I was on a forum the other day, um, online forum, and uh, the person that wrote the, uh, the, the post was a vendor. I'll leave his name out of it. But he said, why is it that, that seems like every dentist I'm dealing with today is trying to get the cheapest possible price possible for my goods and services? Well, 
Those are the same dentists that complain about patients that want the cheapest crown. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry. I, so I posted in this forum, I, I said, listen, in my 37 years, I've never met a dentist that achieved financial independence by saving two bucks on a box of gloves. And uh, I said, listen, uh, treat your vendors like partners and allow them to make a fair profit. Uh, they shouldn't overcharge you, but allow them to make a fair profit. Uh, it's a win-win. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, Naren, we, we share a common interest in being geeks and, and nerds, right? Right. I'm concerned sometimes when I see apps that are free because I'm wondering if they're going to be around long enough to take care of me. Right, <laughs> right. And if there is a, a freemium model, you know, where it's, you know, such and such is free or you could pay $5 a month on an app and, it, and there's value. I'll go with the, the $5 a month charge because at least it's helping them be around to support me if I need help. Right. So it's a different, it's a, it's an abundance versus a scarcity mindset. It's just a good way to live. Um, even, uh, you know, I think about, we're in a very competitive uh, marketplace in dentistry in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. And yet, um, we treat our fellow colleagues uh, like like colleagues, and we cross we, we cross cover. You know, if they're out of town, uh, I don't believe that for me to succeed, another dentist has to 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 fail. Um, in fact, there's half of the adults in North America don't have a dentist at all. Let's go find some of them. There's enough for all of us. Um, it's just my mindset, and um, it, it's in my DNA. And I would encourage your listeners to uh, make some steps to embrace the abundance mindset because it's, it's a wonderful way to comport ourselves in life. Right. And this extends to even teams, right? I mean, appreciating people, even simple things like thank you, right? Because otherwise you're always complaining. This is not good enough, you know. Well, let me, let me, can I even challenge you to look at this much more specifically? Yes, I want my team members to be the best paid in dentistry. Right. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> right? Yeah. I want to be the best paid because, by the way, if they're well paid, <clears throat> how's it going to work for me? That means you're well paid, right? Because how can you support somebody who's well paid if you're not running an amazing practice? Exactly. But you're absolutely right that, <clears throat> you know, some of the ways we can incorporate this is an abundance mindset on expressing gratitude to our team members. You know, I've, I've, I've been doing this 37 years. I've been in over 2,200 practices as a coach. I've yet to see this situation, Aaron, where a team member comes up to me and says, Gary, you know what the problem is in this practice? The problem is I'm so darn tired of hearing thank you that if I hear thank you one more time, I'm going to walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. <clears throat> and I don't think I ever will. Right. But it's so missing in today's world, right? It's like, like you said, that, that, appreciation thank you you know um and i think and i think it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy like you said the people who are quote-unquote cheapest are the ones who are struggling the most too it's almost like you know either you are in the abundance camp and you have this abundant life or you are in this scarcity camp and you have a scarce life you're right and uh i know it's simplistic you know there certainly are shades of gray in there uh, right. but uh, but i truly believe that if you could make that one switch uh, and embrace uh, abundance, um, it is a wonderful way to comport yourself. It's a wonderful way to live, and it shows up and reflects 
in so many ways that you do things in, in your practice. I mean, like, for example, right now, you're giving away advice that you probably get paid for. You know sure. what I mean? And you're not getting a dime for it. No, and I'm fine with that because um, I, you know, it, it, I'm, it's an attempt to be helpful. And, right. uh, you know, I believe if someone says, well, well, wow, I listened to Gary on, on Naren's uh, podcast and look how much I learned in this hour. Uh, what would I learn if I ever worked with a more, um, you know, on, on a more intimate level? What would I learn? Uh, that, you know, give it away. Exactly. And that's the abundance mindset, right? You know, it's not, I need to hold it. I need to take, in other words, I don't need to, I, for me to win, you don't have to lose. If I only have an hour's worth of information, I better go get some more information. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 I love that. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, I love your fourth point, which is, you know, um, sorry, the third point about, you know, not being cheap and have the technology you want, have the office you want, but still you can do it while controlling your overhead to 50%. I, we built our ideal office uh, in, uh, uh, we, we moved into it in April of 2011. The previous, uh, the one we bought um, uh, was uh, less than ideal and, and we were able to uh, um, uh, build our ideal office and move into it in, in, in 2011. And I've, over the years, I've probably worked with um, well over a thousand dentists that have built their ideal office at one point or another in their career. And every one of them will tell you it's the best thing they ever did. Uh, it allowed them, you know, many times I, I go into a practice as a coach and the facility doesn't represent the quality of clinical care they provide. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, uh, we have a, a, a hotel chain here in, in the United States uh, called Motel 6. Are you familiar with that, Naren? Yes, yes. So you can't put a mint on the pillow at a Motel 6 and charge $400 a night. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, recently I was in a practice and this dentist is a brilliant clinician, brilliant. Uh, she has uh, taken a massive, uh, she's a, a a fellow in the Academy of General Dentistry. She's a, a master in the Academy of General Dentistry. She's accredited by the AACD, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Brilliant, brilliant dentist. And her facility didn't represent that. It, her facility was below average. And again, I'm not talking about Berber carpet and silk wallpaper and chandeliers. That's not what I'm talking about. But right. the facility didn't look modern and up to date. And I shared that with her. And uh, she said, you know, you're right. And so we're now making the strides to get her into an office that represents the quality of care that she provides. And they're congru they're, we're working towards congruence. Right now they're incongruent. Right, right. I, I have a question for you, Gary. I, would, I know I finished half of your six points and I have half more to go. I'm wondering, um, uh, should I do a part two and spend another 45 minutes to an hour with you? Or should I try you, to? You bet. Let's, let's, let's do another one. But may I share uh, four quick tips that our listeners can use like tomorrow to help move them toward a thriving practice? That would be perfect. That would be amazing. All right. Number one, uh, I want you to start using digital photos for patient education, digital photos for patient education. I'm not talking about intraoral photos. I'm talking about digital. And um, I, I, uh, I have his permission um, uh, to, to uh, Frank Spear. Uh, I'm going to share with you Frank Spear's system for digital photos for patient education. We take six photos. First one's a head and shoulder shot. Second one is a close-up retracted view. 
Third one is an upper occlusal view using the hourglass-shaped mouth mirror. The fourth is a lower occlusal view using the hourglass-shaped mouth mirror. The fifth is a right buccal corridor. Uh, and the sixth is a left buccal corridor. Your assistant should take those photos. It will only take three minutes once they have some skill around taking those photos. And now, rather than loading those photos onto the screen, onto the monitor, load those photos onto a tablet. And Naren, what kind of tablet do you think they should buy? You better get this one. Right. <laughs> iPad. <laughs> An iPad. Which one should they buy? Uh, the bigger one. What is that? The Pro. The iPad Pro. Oh, right. Because it's 12.9 inch diagonal real estate. It's the biggest screen possible. By the way, you don't need to have one with a lot of memory because we're not storing them on there. We're simply using them for, for patient education. So right. now when we present them on the tablet and we put the tablet in the patient's lap, it becomes an interactive experience. Instead of just looking at it on the screen, which is passive, it now becomes interactive. And you leave them alone. You can say, Naren, if you were my patient, Carly would say something like this to you. Naren, you probably remember when I took those photos of you earlier in the appointment. I've loaded them here on the tablet. Here it is. And we put it in your lap. This works just like your smartphone. If you want to see the next photo, just take your finger and flick it. If you want to zoom in, just take your fingers and pinch out. Now, would you do me a favor and take a look at those photos? Um, and when Dr. and I come back in the room, We'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Now, we leave the patient alone with those photos. It's theatric. We don't really need to leave the room. But we do leave the room because now the patient is left alone with the photos with no one looking over their shoulder. They get into those photos. And when you come in the room, back in the room, the patient is firing questions at you. What's this? What's that? Uh, we had a patient the other day said she was an older patient in her 60s. Now, she had had restorative dentistry done over the years you know, many, many years uh, of treatment. And she had teeth that were miscolored. They didn't match. Imagine you know, one of her crowns was over 40 years old. Now, Naren, I don't, I don't know what the material choice was 40 years ago, but it's not what we have today. And she said, wow, I didn't realize my teeth are a bunch of different colors. Right. Can I do anything about that? Right. What an, what an, what an, yeah, ice-breaking conversation. So number one, photos, used photos, those six photos that I described for patient education. Number two, in your morning huddle, I hope you're having a morning huddle. I hope, hope, hope you're having a morning huddle. Because I believe you either have a morning huddle and plan your day or you muddle through it. So I hope you're having a morning huddle. Now that you're taking those photos, I want you to have one of your team members responsible for, we do ours digitally because I'm a nerd, uh, and we have a flat screen monitor. We have one of our team members in charge of uh, the remote. And as you talk about each patient that's on the schedule that day, pull up their head and shoulders photo. And what that does, you know, I hope you have a good memory, but there's no human memory that's as good as your computer memory. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Naren? Absolutely. The last thing that I want to do, Naren, if you're our patient, I don't want my hygienist coming out to the reception room and imagine that there's seven or eight people sitting there. I don't want her saying, Naren, Naren, which one of you is Naren? Right. I want her coming up to you and greeting you with a nice warm smile and saying, Naren, it's so good to see you. Come on back. And that photo that you bring up in the morning huddle will bring back a flood of memories of the patients you're seeing that day. And what that does is it really allows you to uh, build a relationship-driven practice. So simple thing, take that photo, pull them up in the morning huddle, and as you go through those patients, uh, have that patient's picture 
on your screen to remind you of who it is you're taking care of that day. Number three, I want you to work on getting Google reviews, Google reviews. Uh, and a very simple way to do that, and this, this is worth the price of admission. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I better use a better way to describe that, Marin, because I believe the price of admission on your podcast is free, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's free. It's worth a multiple of that. Um, so uh, you want Google reviews. Uh, you know, what's, Marin, what's the number one search engine in dentistry or search engine in the world? Google by far, like, you know, five times bigger than everybody else. What's number two? Well, nobody knows number two, but really it's Google. <laughs> I mean, YouTube, YouTube, exactly. YouTube is probably number two, which is owned by Google. Actually, you're spot on. It is YouTube, but the real answer is who cares because Google right. is so strong. So, right. uh, Aaron, you know this and I know this, but your listeners may not. Only people that have a Google review can write, only people that have a Gmail address can write Google reviews. Right. Now, here's what you do. In the morning huddle, have one of your team members pull up, uh, make an, a list. They can get that off their practice management software. Everyone you're seeing today, along with their email address, highlight the people that have Gmail addresses. In your morning huddle, now ask the question, are any of these people that have Gmail addresses people we'd like to ask to write a review? Don't ask Debbie Downer to write your review. <laughs> Do right. not ask Debbie Downer to write your review. Uh, she won't give you five stars. She can't give five stars. Uh, but uh, if there's those people that you know would write a favorable review, go through one more step, say, who should we, who would like to ask Naren to write a review? And that usually comes up very organically. Uh, Kelly, the hygienist might say, oh, I know Naren very well. Uh, I'll ask him for the review. And what, the way we do this, Naren, may I role play how we do this? Yes. Naren, we sure love seeing our existing friends in the practice like you. We also love seeing new patients. Uh, as you might imagine, a lot of people today find us online. Would you do me a favor and write a Google review when you get a chance? And we hand you, by the way, here's a simple uh, instruction sheet on how to write a Google review. It's, it's an oversized business card that has the three steps to write a Google review. And we just hand it to you. Here's a simple instruction sheet to write a Google review. Thanks in advance. We sure appreciate it. Right. I totally agree with you. I mean, um, you know, I know later on I'll be on your show as well and uh, we could talk about this, but um, um, reviews or social proof is really, really, really important. It's the voice of the patient. Uh, you know, the patient can say things about you that you cannot say about yourself because it would sound arrogant. If you, you know, we've had reviews where the patient says, oh my gosh, I absolutely love my dentist. Uh, right. Dr. Paul is so gentle, so thorough, so compassionate. I would never want to go anywhere else. You can't say that about yourself, but they can say it about you, and it's social proof. Right. You're absolutely right. Number four, uh, KPIs, KPIs. That stands for Key Performance Indicators. I strongly encourage you to have a handful of KPIs, Key Performance Indicators in your practice, that you and your team members monitor on a real-time basis to see how you're doing. Now, we use a third party for ours. Practice management software is not good at giving you real-time information. that gives you historical information. I use a company called Dental Intel. Dental Intel. Uh, Dental Intel is a dashboard company uh, that gives me real-time information about, various, about 30 different key performance indicators in the practice. By the way, if any of your listeners are interested in uh, seeing what they do, send me an email, 
uh, Gary at Gary Takis. Just put Dental and Tell in the subject line, and I'll send you a link so that you can have that um, snapshot demonstrated. They do they do something called a practice snapshot that allows you to uh, see the dashboard based on the performance of your practice. And uh, normally they charge about $1,000 to do a practice dashboard, but they do a courtesy for my listeners on the Thriving Dentist Show, and I'll extend it to yours. They'll do that at no charge. If you're interested in that, just write dental and tell in the subject line, and I'll send you the link that you can get a, uh, a snapshot, and you'll see how powerful this is. Because now we're getting real-time information about how we're doing. I like to say, Aaron, that data never lies. Right. People do. And I don't mean that like cynically. It's that we think we're doing something, but in fact, the data doesn't support it. When you have a dashboard that demonstrates how we're doing, we have immediate, it's literally like, imagine flying a plane, looking at the dashboard and responding to the changes that are occurring in real time. And that's what that does for us. So those are the four tips. Use six photos for patient education. And by the way, display those on a tablet so that you can make it interactive. Number two, pull that first photo up in the morning huddle to help humanize the reaction that you have by recognizing your patients. Number three, master Google reviews. Do the little exercise that I mentioned by identifying Gmail patients and then asking them uh, during the day with a simple uh, prompt with an instruction sheet to help them write those reviews. And number four, master KPIs, key performance indicators, so you have real-time information in your practice so that you now know exactly what's happening on a, on a day-to-day basis in real time in your practice so you can respond accordingly. Those are four things that you do those and you'll be well on your way. There's many other things that we can do, but those will be four things that you can do uh, to begin to make the transition to a thriving practice. Absolutely. I totally agree with all your points. I mean, the first one is, you know, you're making the customer sell you why they need something as opposed to you selling them why they should have something. Every time what happens is it becomes the patient's idea. Right. We had a patient the other day, uh, 72 years old, uh, very worn posterior teeth. Uh, uh, He was a bruxer and a grinder and very, very worn, very nubby, tiny, worn posterior teeth, worn flat uh, in the front, but his posterior teeth were really worn. And we, we put the photos on the tablet and, Dr. Nelson walked back in and the patient says, uh, listen to this, Mary. So would you role play as Dr. Nielsen in this example? Yes. So you're Paul and I'm the patient. Hey, doc, them teeth look really worn in the back. They ain't supposed to be like that, are they? You are correct. It's not supposed to. Hey, doc, I'm 72. My parents are still alive in their 90s. I've got some aunts and uncles alive. I'm planning to be around for a while. I should do something about it, shouldn't I? Absolutely, you should. And this is the perfect time to do it because, like you said, you're going to use it for the next 20 years. Literally, that's exactly what Paul said. They they aren't (laughs) supposed to be like that, are they? Nope. (laughs) I should do something about it, shouldn't I? Yep. (laughs) And it was the patient's idea. Right. uh, and it's exactly, you, you, you pinpointed it exactly. You know, people don't see their teeth the way we see them. Right. Because they, they never see the pictures. They don't, you know, it's inside their mouth, so they don't see what's going on. They see it in a foamy mirror looking back at them in the morning. You know, that's how they see their teeth. They, or they see them in the, hall, you know, the, the, the summer vacation photos, you know, in front of the giant trees. You know, right. they don't see their teeth. like. If they did, 
I think we'd do a lot more dentistry because they'd say, oh my gosh, this doesn't look right. And right. that's what doctors do. And by the way, they're free. We don't charge for them. Uh, patients love the information. And it, that one tip using digital photos for patient education will radically change the, uh, the discussions you have with patients about their teeth because it'll be their idea. Just a great way to grow your practice. Right. How do, how do I get those tips in the sense, do you have any documents you could also send or pretty much uh, well, like, perfect? So they could just email Gary at? At TACUS Learnings, T-A-K-A-C-S Learning Center. In fact, what I'll do for the, for the benefit of your listeners, I'm going to go ahead and uh, type out, uh, prepare uh, notes on those four points that I just discussed. Um, and send me an email. Uh, I'll be happy to simply uh, send you uh, the notes from the four tips uh, so that you can have better success with implementing those. And I'll prepare those and have those available for you. So just send me an email. I'll be happy to send those to you. Perfect. What we'll do is we'll include all of that, you know, along with the podcast and everything else. So people can easily go and get those tips. Thanks, Nair. Much appreciated. I'd love to uh, help more dentists get on this path to a thriving practice. Yeah, and you've been doing it for 37 years. And if you're still as excited as you are on the phone with me, that means you love what you do. So, uh, Pardon me, but uh, I love our profession. Uh, I, I have four, uh, four kids. They're grown. Uh, they're adults. But I've, I've shared with my kids that if you love what you do, you never really have to work a day in, in your life. <laughs> and, exactly. I feel myself very fortunate for that. I love what I do and uh, love helping dentists uh, uh, develop a thriving practice. It's, uh, it's my calling. Yeah. And like you said, you're doing it not because you have to, because you want to, right? The freedom. So, is, so, uh, so of course, people, when they do things and they have a free choice, the only reason they would ever do it is because, you know, they love it. Otherwise, why, why bother? Exactly. So I really learned a lot from you and I would love, love to have you back to talk about the other three points, which we did not touch on, which is the high performance team that you love working with. And, um, you know, the kind of taking care of the patients you want to take care of and then doing the kind of work that gives you satisfaction. So let's, let's do a follow on and, and then I'll come up with more tips that relate to those three topics that uh, they can add uh, to the tips that we shared today. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And I think uh, people will learn a lot from this. And I have to say of, uh, of a lot of the podcasts I did, you know, in that last one hour, you, you taught us a lot, you shared so much. And, uh, and it's not something that you just read on a book and, you know, you have been doing it, you have been testing it, you have been living it and you practice it. So it's amazing, you know? Um, so it's not just, you know, like you said, um, you know, like textbook advice, it's real advice. It's something that you have, played with and experimented with and you know, I'll, give, I'll, give an, I'll give an example of that uh, the idea of taking the photo you know and showing that the morning huddle actually came up from experience when um, as we got larger and and the patient base expanded it was harder for my hygienist to remember every patient and that's not their fault I mean um, you know imagine a busy practice with uh, well we have over 4,000 active patients as good as your memory is it, it's not easy to remember all 4,000 patients. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's not a fault. That's just human nature. But if I showed you a photo, let's say you didn't remember Gary, but I show you the photo of Gary, the memory is going to come back. Right. And it allows you to disconnect with that patient in a way that um, is uh, 
uh, you know, is true and genuine and helpful. Uh, so anyway, that came out of an experience in practice that um, I noticed this and said, hey, here's an easy thing we could do to correct that. Right. Sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. Yeah, I mean, back to Albert Einstein. Uh, huh. He was onto something. Uh, he, he knew a little bit about math, too, I think. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Gary. I really enjoyed talking to you today, and I really um, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. You are, like, on the road and lecturing all over the world, and I uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and share your wisdom. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the, the pleasure was all mine in being on your, uh, on, on your podcast. Thanks so much for the invitation. Uh, I love uh, the opportunity to share information with your listening audience. And uh, thanks so much for thinking of me. Absolutely. Once again, everyone, thank you for listening to an amazing podcast with Gary Takas, who is the founder of the Thriving Dental Academy. Did I get that right? Thriving, thriving Practice Academy. Ah, I'm sorry. Thriving Practice Academy. Thriving Dentist Show. Thriving Dentist Show. Sometimes I get them mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) Thriving Dentist Show and the Thriving Practice Academy. And the website is um, takaslearningcenter.com for now. I know you said you're rebranding it. Yeah, T-A-K-A-C-S. So for many years, my consulting firm has been known as the uh, Takas, T-A-K-A-C-S Learning Center. Uh, We've rebranded and... uh, 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 it's now called the Thriving Practice Academy. But uh, if you'll go to that website, tacuslearningcenter.com, it'll redirect you to the Thriving Practice Academy. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Gary, for an amazing show. Thank you. My pleasure.